This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only nationally syndicated golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by Acura. Launch into performance with the all-new 2019 lineup. Visit Acura.ca for all models and dealer incentives. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada, our first of many looks back at uh, the year that was 2019. Mark Zucchino alongside Bob Weeks, Adam Scully. Gentlemen, how are you today? Excellent. Looking forward to um, reliving the year that was. And it was a great year, wasn't it? You know what I love about these shows is the stuff you forget. Because there's like, we all, we're going to look back at the year and we're going to do it over a few shows. And today, by the way, our show is mainly going to focus on the major golf champions. Season and in future shows, we're going to look at Brooke Henderson. We're going to look at the winners' weird and what of the year. We're going to look at uh, predictions, disappointments, etc. But for today, we'll concentrate mainly on the majors, and I'm sure we'll go sideways as always and and get into some <laughs> of our things. We're going to hear from Tiger Woods and uh, Gary Woodland and uh, Brooks Kepka. Uh, we will look at the Open Championship, which was near and dear to all of us here because we all love Ireland golf so much. Uh, and, and having the Open back in Ireland, I think, was a, a bit of a highlight of the year. But one of my favorite parts of doing this show is hearing how you guys look back at the year versus me. Because I look back at the year, and uh, I don't know where my brain's going. My memory's uh, like just deteriorating by the second these days. But the first thing that comes to mind for me is Masters. And that's where we're going to start this year. But when I think back of 2019, I think back of... My feeling of watching Augusta and watching Tiger Woods and going, is this real? Like, is this actually real? Is this happening? So before we dive into the Masters, because that's where we're going to start, Bob, when you think of 2019, if you could put one word on it or one theme on it or just one memory on it, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, you are right, because you do forget a lot of things. And so, you know, Jim, it's, um, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I forgot your name. No, you do forget a lot of things because it's it's it can be a bit of a blur and it can be a bit of a what's the latest thing that's been hot. But when I think back on this year, I think there's only one one word to describe it. It's Tiger. Yeah. I mean, he did some things, even though he won the year before the Tour Championship, he did some things this year that we just never expected he would do and never uh, thought we'd probably see in our lifetime again. And uh, And winning the Masters was probably chief among them. But even just being competitive out there, and and uh, yeah, I know the middle of the season from the Masters to the Zozo Championship wasn't great, uh, but he was there. He was playing in the majors again. He was out there, and I think that if you ask most people, I think the 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 lasting um, part of of 2019 will be the return of Tiger Woods. And for me, the word is historic. I mean, uh, even Tiger and Brooke Henderson's will get into another show, becoming the all-time winningest Canadian professional golfer at such a young age is just remarkable. But for Tiger to be 1,199th in the world. Didn't think he was going to ever play uh, competitive golf again. Uh, Shows up at the Masters with his mock turtlenecks on and sort of turned back the clock, and especially with that leaderboard, too. Like, that was an unbelievable leaderboard, and and for him to come through was remarkable. And I've still found myself, it's been, what, six, seven months since uh, the Masters. I've watched the last, the 18th hole five or six times, just Oh my God, Tiger actually won the Masters. Pretty, pretty crazy. Interesting uh, question for you guys because, you know, the Masters, obviously, we were all on a, a very large high. And then the season went a, a very different way than we thought it was going to go for Tiger Woods actually, after watching the historic 15th major. Uh, little did we know that I think the knee was a lot worse than we anticipated, especially mm-hmm. by the summer. Um, he led us a little bit into that after what happened in Japan at the Zozo Championship recently. But before Zozo, question, 
before Zozo, what was your grade on Tiger's year, calendar year? And after Zozo, what's your grade on Tiger's year? Because if I'm looking at it, an honest big picture, I'm going to give him a B plus before the Zozo championship. I'm going to give him a B plus because, hey, this guy won the Masters, and maybe he shouldn't even be playing golf at all. You know, but what happened after that? Probably not up to snuff. But to add another win, this guy's playing in the President's Cup, two wins on the season, one of them a major. I'll give this guy an A+. Plus. He shouldn't even be walking. Bob? Yeah, I think before, after he won the Masters, but before anything else, yes. I sort of, let's say before the Zozo Championship, I would have given him maybe an A-. minus. Um, in a lot of ways, I thought, I'd, you know, before we knew the, about the severity of the knee injury, I kind of thought maybe he was just, he'd won the Masters and that was enough for this year. It was kind of like gravy going in. Yeah. Didn't want to risk anything. We sort of, maybe this back surgery wasn't going to hold. We saw in the cooler weather of the PGA Championship and, uh, and at, the, at the U.S. Open specifically, where he was kind of feeling his back around and wasn't great. And I thought, okay, so that's going to be the peak. And now we're going to kind of have this, uh, this swan song maybe leading into retirement or sort of the, the glory days of being an old sort of guy who's not maybe that much of a, in contention that often. Like you and me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but after the Zozo Championship, you know, now all of a sudden it's, it's, it's that adage that I bring out a lot of times. I know when I'm doing stuff for, for whatever media, radio or sports center or whatever, it's like you just can never underestimate Tiger Woods mm-hmm. because there's so many things that he can do, so many things that he wants to do and has the drive to, to get there um, that you just, you, you'll make, he'll make you look like a fool. Would you give him an A plus after Zozo? Yeah, I think I would give him an A plus. So you on go this A year. minus to A plus, so we're very close. I go B plus to A plus. So right. We're very close. Skulls? Yeah, I, I, I mean, he, he still, he still won a major championship, so that's that's still pretty crazy. And and one thing that came out of um, you know, the Presidents Cup uh, captain selections when they were announced um, was Tiger saying that he had a torn oblique. Right. Like that was no like he he withdrew from a tournament with an oblique strain. Right, which I guess clearly was actually torn. So yeah. that's always the curious case of Tiger's. Like, how hurt is he really? You know, like is he over exaggerating something, or is he hiding something, or is he playing through so much pain? Uh, but overall, it's an A plus for sure. I mean, he ties Sam Snead for the overall record. Obviously, the Masters was one of the greatest comebacks we'll ever see in sports history. And uh, now, as Bob said, sort of what's next? Um, you know, how is he going to be in cold weather next year? You know, with and here we with go his again. Fine now, right? With know. the majors, we we might not get a bomby major season oh, again, right? Yeah. It's looking that way. Yeah. So, how does that affect him? To your point, and you never know physically how he's doing because he doesn't really let you in much. He lets you in more now than he ever had exactly. before, but it's still not. Uh, you know, he's not being as transparent, and maybe, you know, maybe he doesn't want to use this as as an excuse. Maybe that's why he's not as transparent as he normally is mm-hmm. when it comes to. You know when we, or what we expect from maybe other sports when it comes to injuries, etc. You know, upper body upper body injury. It's like it's the old NHL undisclosed, yeah. undisclosed right? <laughs> um, it's interesting, and you know, he, obviously to Bob's point, he won earlier. He won later in the previous season at the Tour Championship and got it over the finish line for the first time. But to get that major, it's a, it's almost like a, a different finish line, a bigger finish line, and it was almost like trying to do it again for the first time. And I was anticipating, oh my, the lid's off, the can now, here mm-hmm. we go. And it, and it didn't happen, and maybe it didn't happen for physical reasons. Uh, 
Very different type of victory in Japan. A wire to wire, I'm going to just outball strike the field and outplay everybody in Japan. That's a very different victory in Japan. And, and coming off uh, a skins game performance where he looked like he, he looked was like hitting he, game. Still the handicap. Yeah. Unbelievable. Left right, so left right. it's, it's just hard to think. I, I, I wonder this. We've seen Tiger win a gazillion different ways. Uh, majors over the years, just putting performances, this or that. But I wonder, this Masters that we saw, was it the smartest victory of his career? And I say that by just, you want to talk a guy, about a guy who seemed to just have the knowledge of what this golf course and what this tournament is about and the knowledge of almost knowing what other players are going to face and what this, what's going to happen to this leaderboard before it happened. It, it kind of looked like, to, like that to me. It's like, I'm going to plot myself around. I'm just going to kind of, you know, punch and Judy it, so to speak, the whole way around and watch. Watch them go through Amen Corner. Watch them find Race Creek. Watch it. And, and, and it happened. It kind of happened. For, and I wonder if it's the smartest win of his career, Bob. It's certainly up there. I mean, he's the smartest player in, in the Masters, I think, in history. I think there's nobody who knows that golf course better than Tiger Woods mm-hmm. does. And, that's, and we're talking about Jack Nicklaus, who's got six of them. So that's, that's the first part right. about it. The second part is that I think he's got the, 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 the drive and the determination and the, the mental uh, acuity to take on out that, that nobody else has, to take on these other players. So you put those two things together, I think the only thing that was a question mark was going to be whether his body would hold up to it. But I think you're right. I think if you look down the stretch, it wasn't so much that Tiger, um, it wasn't so much that Tiger kind of went out there and was very aggressive and stuff. He just knew when to pick his moments to be aggressive. And he was waiting for those other guys to fall apart, which they did. Maybe they weren't going to do it, but he certainly had he the, had the ing- he had the patience yes. to to outweight them to 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 sit there and say you're gonna you guys are gonna have to beat me. Well, and, yeah, and, and past years, you know, in his heyday, we'd see Tiger, you know, going for par fives and two and playing super aggressive. But on that Sunday, he was playing patiently, and yes, four players hit it in the water on twelve, and and he played it, you know, thirty five v left and two putted for for his par there. But you know, his mindset, as he said after, was you know I'm just gonna birdie the holes that they're about to play. You know, so um, he birdied. Uh, he birdied 15. He birdied, then obviously birdied 16, uh, and two putt for birdie on 13 as well. So it was just, uh, it was a crazy day, and um, one we'll never forget for sure. And it's certainly the tournament certainly took some victims along the way. You know, Rory had a tremendous calendar year, good season, yeah. two three wins, and now four wins, and trying to hunt down Brooks Kepka's number one player in the world. But just as a major season. Uh, not the major season uh, Rory was looking for, and it kind of started here at the, at the Masters. Another attempt to get the uh, the career Grand Slam, it, it doesn't happen. Uh, he didn't seem to carry that scar tissue, uh, Rory, because he kept winning and he had a, a just a brilliant year. The flip side of that coin, think of what we thought about Francesco Molinari, Molinari as we headed into Augusta. He was in the top five in the official World Golf ranking, maybe the best player in the world at the time heading into Augusta. When you look at his performance on a global scale in big events, reigning open champion at the time, had one hand on the green jacket. I picked him to win Augusta. Yeah, I picked that, him the week morning, before. Yeah. He was my guy to pick for the week, the whole week. He had one hand on the green jacket, and look what happened in down the stretch. And in in the last few weeks, he opened up. I'm I'm not over it yet, and it's it's still broken me. And it's amazing. You know, in, in quiet moments when these guys are by themselves and they're not in front of a microphone, how long some of them hold on to this stuff? Sure, I think, I think you only get so many chances to win major championships. You know, it takes three hard days to get yourself into position there. And when you're not a guy like Tiger Woods, who's got 15 of them, and you're a guy who's got one and you want to try to get to two, 
you know, if you miss a chance, you never know when you're going to get the other one back. It's, it's, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of breaks and a lot of luck and a lot of everything else to sort of get there. So for sure, these guys, this stings. For sure it does. See David Duvall, yeah. see Adam Scott, sure. see Jason Day, like great, mm-hmm. great Most players that had huge careers that landed one major championship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, on the other side, we're going to hear from Tiger. Right after his historic 15th major, and he donned the green jacket. We'll hear from Tiger and Butler Cabin. This is our year review special as we take a look at the majors of 2019 right here on GTC. This segment of GTC was brought to you by Acura. Launch into performance with the all-new 2019 lineup. Visit Acura.ca for all models and dealer incentives. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade and the speed-injected Twistface M5 and M6 drivers. Everybody gets faster in 2019. Visit TaylorMade.ca for more information or to book your custom fitting today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zakino Week Scully, our first year in review special of 2019, as this show takes a look at the major season that was 2019. And we're roughly 140 some odd days as we do this recording to the Masters. And that's what we're looking back at right now the 2019 Masters. And really, the highlight of 2019 for most of the golf world is Tiger won his 15th major. And his green jacket is major, one of two calendar wins in 2019. Let's go back to Butler's cabin and hear from Tiger Woods. Tiger, thank you, first off, for coming all the way back down here. Um, Of course, Nick, uh, we've just been sitting here for the last uh, hour and a half trying to kind of put our minds around this. And you've been fielding (laughs) questions and all, all. Where are you right now after this last 90 minute stretch? I am really hungry. <laughs> You're really. <laughs> I haven't had time to eat yet, so no. It, and seriously, it's um, it's an unreal feeling. Um, just to have it all come together at the right time. This is what we dream about: is to have mind and body come together for you know four times a year. Um, the shots and the shapes and <clears throat> that I felt like I was hitting coming into this this week, um, I was able to hit high bomb draws with my driver. I was able to hit squeezer hot cuts, and um, if I really felt uncomfortable, I hit a little spinner out there. So I had, you know, both ends of the spectrum I was able to hit, and uh, my my putting stroke felt great. I was hitting my lines. I just didn't have enough speed sometimes. You know, this is one of their slowest uh, they've yes, ever had the greens, yes. mm. and so I put a lot on on memory and and feel, and I. I just had a hard time understanding some of these putts are going to be that slow. Granted, some of the greens that are more exposed, like nine up on top, are, are going to be a little bit quicker. But that was a beautiful the, putt there, by yeah. the way. We yeah, just inside saw right firm. Yeah, 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 yeah right, great. exactly. <laughs> but it, it just—it was just a little bit different of an adjustment with with feel with on, on the greens. You know, so many times the Masters comes down to how the par fives are played, and today, as right now on the rebroadcast, we're seeing. What happened, not only in your group, but the group in front of you, that four of them went into the water, you played the smart shot, and then at 16, you made birdie today. Then the par threes were so pivotal here in the mm-hmm. final round. Well, I played the par threes well the entire week, and um, I think that was that was key. And unfortunately, I didn't take care of the par fives, but I balanced it out by, by playing the par threes really well. So 
um, a little bit of give and take. And I was, I was just trying to plot my way around the golf course, which I was able to do. And if I, if I missed a shot, just be committed to missing the ball in the correct spot. And from there, I, I can either lag it down there dead or you know, chip it up and, and, and save par. Tiger, you, you said it's a combination of time, time and you get mind and body and swing in sync mm -hmm. for this particular. But this goes a long way back, obviously, after the, the surgery. Mm -hmm. But more important for me, uh, last year at Carnoustie was the first time you led in a major for a while. You, you got the feelings. And I remember reading that you said you'd found something in your swing. Mm -hmm. And I thought the experience of that, and obviously the PJ was unbelievable because, you know, that front line you play when you couldn't hit the golf course, right. yet you stayed, you're right there. I, th I feel they gave you a huge boost to, wow, it doesn't matter how I play, I can hang with these guys. Am I kind of on the right track? Well, I made a, a couple of mistakes there at, at the Open Championship, which um, uh, derailed my, my chances of yeah. winning the tournament. And I applied those lessons learned yeah. uh, to the PGA and really played well. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you know, Brooksy was, was playing better than I was. And uh, this, this week, uh, I just felt like I was in control of what I was doing out there. And more so than any other golf course, as you know, mm. it's about understanding how to play it. Exactly, uh, yeah. Each and every flag, understanding yeah. where to put it. Yeah. And uh, even though you have situations where, for me, I feel like I can hit any, any nine iron on down, you know, stone dead. Mm. But, you know... Sometimes missing a green at the correct spot is uh, a lot easier to chip than is some, some of the putts you leave out here. And uh, I was very disciplined when I was doing out there this mm. week, and uh, it paid off. Was the match with Rory, as well, I commented after watching the match with Rory, you went out there playing to win, and I thought the, that, uh, that Saturday morning, I said after that, well, Tiger managed to click himself into Sunday afternoon major mode. I thought the way you handled that, I thought you made a conscious decision. You were tweeting with no to the night before, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for this. I want to go and play and win this. I thought you flipped the switch, and it. And I personally think, you know, two weeks ago, it was a really nice little rehearsal for you to get that feeling that, hmm, I can flip that switch, turn on the Sunday afternoon intensity, and... This week, I mean, you just cruised it. You, you, you were slow and smooth in just about everything. In well, uh, in match play, as you know, it's, it's, the, it's a Sunday feeling from the very first hole. Um, Got to be on. Mm -hmm. um, it's an 18-hole boat race. And so if you, not, if you don't bring it, you're not going on. Yeah. And so uh, I was able to win that match and move on. Unfortunately, I lost the next, next, the next round. Um, but I was uh, able to beat, beat Rory there, which... More than more importantly, I was, I was starting to shape the shots getting yeah, ready for okay. this week. And so with the wind blowing as much as it was there, I had uh, wonderful control over, over my shot shapes. Mm -hmm. And now it's just a matter of bringing it here off of, you know, more severe uneven lies. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I, I, the only thing I really struggled with this week was trying to hit the putts hard enough. Because yeah, the, they but the were first a day, fuzzy and a little bit slow. The only mistake you had first day was you, you, you missed whatever half a dozen inside ten feet. But then after that, you were, it's you were just back to purity. And, you know, we had that that big rain rain here on Tuesday, and um, that practice round was was useless to go on the golf course because mm. it was slow. Uh, I thought Wednesday was a, a bit quicker, which I was kind of shocked about. But when we got to Thursday, they didn't speed them up again. Mm. And normally, as you know, that Wednesday to Thursday, <laughs> they can get another foot, foot and a half faster. Exactly. Yeah. But they didn't do that. Yeah. And so um, try to make that adjustment as you know the week gone on, especially as we get little damp rains here. Um, try to make sure I hit the putts hard enough. 
Tiger, I want to show that shot at 16. We talked after the Green Jacket oh, yeah. ceremony. I compared it to the Nicholas shot. Obviously, different clubs back then. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this was some action right here. And in many ways, this was the point where the whole world was clued in that this was going to be that historic day that everyone had longed for. Yeah, 16 has been kind to me the last two times I've won here. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, so that was a, an eight iron just trying to ride the wind, trying to get it back there. From, from back on the tee, I'm sure it looked like it had a great chance of going in. It did. Um, I, I was just hoping it wouldn't go too far past as it picked up momentum. Uh, it worked, worked out perfect. I had a little inside left, I'm sorry, left center putt, straight up the gut. And there's the birdie. Give you a two-shot lead at that time. That was loud, too, by the way. <laughs> it was loud. They were, they were rocking down there. Uh, how about at 18? How about that scene? And how you about know, the Tiger I, chant? Uh, you know, but see, I was already screaming and yelling myself, so I, <laughs> I don't really remember a lot of that. Um, I was kind of into celebrating with, uh, with Joey and and uh, my family and my, all my friends that have been a part of it. So uh, it was incredible. The walk from the 18th green to our scoring area, now that was loud. Yeah. Hey, as someone who's known Joe LaCava for a long time, yeah. and he's beloved out here, great friends of so many of us. What a great teammate he's been for you as you've yes. risen back to the top of the game. One of the most loyal human beings you'll ever meet. No question. And um, if anyone deserves a major championship, it's, it's Joey. Uh, we've been through the through the fires together. Unfortunately, we just haven't got one as a team. But uh, now he has uh, been a part of two coats around here. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, 92 and today. Yeah. And uh, it, it's pretty pretty special you know, for, for the two of us to go out there and, and be lockstep mm. uh, all week. Um, wonderful feel for uh, club club selection out there, and you know people don't know how much the wind swirls around this place. But um, a lot of that is we have to be on sync about what what club to hit, and the, obviously the, the trajectory. So um, our communication was was really solid this week. What a win for Tiger gets it done, and boy did we expect a lot for the summer. It wasn't to come to fruition for Tiger Woods and. We kind of had a glimpse on what the rest of the year would be for the majors at the immediate next majors. The PGA Championship moved to May for the first time under the new schedule that was the PGA Tour season. It was going to be a cold and damp May PGA at Bethpage Black, a bomber's paradise. And Tiger would not contend, but it would come down to two bombers. We'll take a look at the PGA Championship next and Brooks Kepka as he takes away the PGA Championship in New York. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by TaylorMade and the speed-injected Twist Face M5 and M6 drivers. Everybody gets faster in 2019. Visit taylormade.ca for more information or to book your custom fitting today. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Tourism Ireland, home of the 2019 Open Championship. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our first year in review special as we take a look at the major championship season. And as we close the door on Tiger's win at Augusta, 
we were all getting used to what would be the new schedule of the PGA Tour. And uh, the PGA Championship, guys, I'm going to go right off the top with the schedule here. No problem at all with the new schedule. Uh, it's a little condensed. It's a little jammed f- for me, but I understand why it had to happen. And I'm okay with the PGA Championship in May. The challenge I'm having is everybody now kind of reacting to it because these courses and these venues were already selected. So we're inheriting a lot of cold weather venues. That being said, I don't think the PGA Championship is gone from New York now in the future. So we're going to start seeing a, a very different weather type PGA Championship. This is a PGA Championship, Bob, that could it be held in Florida one year at like a, I don't know, a Seminole or, or, or something along those lines. And the next year, pop up in Bethpage, and we're playing golf in 8 degrees Celsius. It's, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate this championship. Don't forget, not too long ago, they talked about the possibility of taking this outside of the United States. And in all terms, I would think that would be somewhere in Asia where there's a big market for, for uh, a major championship. So it may become a little bit more like the, uh, the Open Championship where it's, uh, you know, played at different spots all around. But... I think I think it was interesting before when they sort of announced the change to the schedule and sent it out. It was fine. It, guys said, "Yeah, this is going to be good. We'll get them all done." When it actually came into fruition, I'm not sure they liked the new schedule as much. <laughs> and it started off with the PGA Championship in in May. It certainly seemed a little different. It seemed odd. Um, and again, as you said, these these tournaments have been locations have been selected so far in advance that. You're just going to have to deal with it. It wasn't terrible weather. It wasn't awful weather. It was, and the course was pretty decent shape. I th- thought mm-hmm. all things considered. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I think it's it's going to just take a little while mentally to adjust to it rather than physically on the courses themselves. I'd love to see them get a little uh, dangerous here, Scully, and try some things like the PGA Championship. For me, was always struggling with identity. You know, we've had this conversation yep. for forever and a day. What's the identity of the PGA Championship other than the fact that the governing bodies of the club professionals? and the lineage back and when the tours split, et cetera, et cetera. Since not being a match play event, which has been since the late 40s, early 50s, it's really struggled with identity. Uh, I would love to see them try some different golf courses and try some things outside the box. To Bob's point, maybe leave the U.S. once in a while to maybe create an identity. Now, that being said, they've given us some great championships over Mm -hmm. the years, sometimes the best Sundays we've seen in quite some time. But... Again, the identity, why not a major in the desert, in other words? Yeah, something different, right? And I, I know some players, notably Justin Rose, after this, after the year was sort of, he wasn't quite adjusted to the schedule yet. He thought it was a little too condensed. Cause he was talking about how, you know, you want to peak four times a year, and it's tough to peak, you know, four consecutive months because, you know, they're three to four weeks apart. But, um, yeah, as you guess, it wasn't that cold. I mean, if you teed off in the morning, and I, I know it was a little strange. Uh, we talked about Tiger in the first couple segments. Uh, when he teed off on Thursday morning, there was about a 40-minute wait for him going from the range to the 10th tee. And for someone with a bad back, obviously, that was the whole narrative on the broadcast. Uh, but the golf course itself, uh, I'm looking forward to when it get, does get back there because it really was a bomber's paradise. All right, and that's the big problem I have with it, to be honest with you, is that I, I know what you're saying, and, and, and I, see, I see what you're saying, but the problem for me is, is that I want, I want a golf course, especially for a major, I, need, I want the, the field to be opened up a bit. Mm-hmm. And to me, the PGA Championship this year speaks directly to Brooks Kepka's quote that majors are easier to win. You know, which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, Bob, right? Sure. It's like, I only got to beat a handful of guys that are easier to win the regular tour events. And you know what? At the PGA Championship, he's right. Because there was three players that could have won the PGA Championship this year. 
Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, and Rory McIlroy. And they all finished inside the top 10, and one of them and, and two of them finished one and two because it was strictly built for the best drivers of the golf ball in the world. If you didn't hit it 320 exactly where you, you were looking, you weren't winning the PGHA. It was one-dimensional to me. It was a driving contest. I don't know. To me, the setup, it was just too limited. Regardless of how uh, you were playing coming in, regardless of how Tiger's form was mm-hmm. coming in, I just... Is Tiger going to beat Brooks Kepka and DJ on that setup? Well, it was to me that was more of a U.S. Open setup than the U.S. Open was. Hundred percent. And I think a big part of that was the weather. Like if the, if that was in uh, if that was in August when the PJ Championship was and it right. was playing, it was firmer, firm and fast, but yes. it was still the rough was hard. It would have been completely different. I well, think. you got but, you open up the field a little. Yeah, but because it was where it was, right. And you know Gary Woodland was in the top ten as well, another bomber. But then you look at guys like like Jordan Spieth finished T three, sort of true. Where was I mean? But it's it's like the rest of his year was such an anomaly. It was so weird. But uh, well, his putter was working uh, earlier in the yeah. year and was really saving him. And then the kind of putter went away again in the struggles right. return. And then you know uh, we'll keep, I'm sure we'll get into that later on in disappointments in the uh, year yes. and things along that uh, that way. But Bob, was this setup too one dimensional for you, or to Scully's point, was it? A PGA Championship, is it morphing into the, the way the U.S. Open should be? Well, it's it was definitely set up for the power players to take advantage of it. And you could see by, even on the first hole, you know, guys <laughs> yeah. were at par four, that's a dog leg, and guys were aiming over the trees and putting it within 30 yards of the green. <clears throat> so I think they did. They had to, to set the course up that way just because I'm not sure um, it could handle a, a different kind of setup. So they would have, you know, would have maybe torn it apart a little bit. And I don't think it's un, unfair to say, uh, that's, that's not a bad thing. I don't think it's, a, it's unfair to say that they did what they needed to do. But if you do look at the final top 10 list, there are bombers on there, but there's some surprises yep. in there as well. Uh, I mean, who, who remembered that Shane Lowry was up there, right, in the, in the tied for eight? Mm-hmm. Luke List. How about our uh, our buddy, and I think this is the best name in golf, Jazz Jenna Watton and I. Yes, yes. So, you know, he's not a real big hitter either. So there were some in there that did manage to find a way. But Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, the poster boys for power golf, there you are, one and two. And ke- and keep in mind, guys, that ke- that Brooks Kepka should be at 10 or 11 under on this board. And there should be a 10-stroke gap between those names that we just outlined because Kepka just looked up and started to cough a little down the stretch. <laughs> he shot four over in the final round, and most of those mistakes came late on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So in reality, you know, in reality here, he's, he should have won this tournament at about 10 under par. And everybody after Dustin Johnson, the best you've got is two under par after that. So there, there's a, a bit of a fall off off a cliff to a certain degree between the, the Bash brothers and, and the rest of this field. Again, the only surprise I have on this leaderboard for me is that Rory McIlroy finished, you know, nine back. I thought, you know, and again, Rory with the the late backdoor top 10 major, which seems to be. His his kind of routine the last few years is that if you look at his major record with Rory, oh, it's not so bad. But you look at how those top tens, was he ever actually in contention? They were fight, bad Thursdays, scramble to make the cut, back door. And it kind of seems to be the theme for Rory. So that, that's that to me that, that you know, him here in a T8 doesn't tell the story for me at the PGA Championship. But uh, now that just because we're on Rory. If you were to take his majors and eliminate the rest of the calendar year, I mean, this is a horrible season for Rory McIlroy, is it not? Well, it, I mean, that PGA in particular was a little crazy because in his 
first round, he was three or four over par after seven holes. Like he was right. out of the tournament, and I, then he again he grind his way back, and you know this backdoor. Uh, top seven finish. So, um, yeah, the majors were, and I'll get into this in my disappointment of the year as well. His first round at Royal Port Rush, I mean, oh my god, the first swing, yeah. At Royal, and I know we're gonna, you know, talk about the uh, the Open Championship uh, later on the show, but the first swing of Rory McIlroy's Open Championship on a Thursday, to me, kind of defines his major championship season mm. in a way. And I don't know what it is because I I don't know it doesn't. I have a hard time believing that he that it's not, that it's preparation. I, I I don't I, I got to believe he's prepared. So what's happening on Thursdays? What's happening at the what you know what is going on between the small t- switches in the brain between a Brooks Kepka and a Rory McIlroy that allow you know I don't know I'm not I'm not a doctor but there's something going on here, Bob. Yeah, I think it's easy to read a lot into it. I think it can just be a bad week, a bad day, a bad, you know, a bad situation, a bad night. He didn't sleep well or something like that. I think if you take the entirety of his year and then you compare it against those four majors, it's easy to say, yeah, like his, as you point out, and he did. He didn't really play up to the way he wanted to play in the major championships. Um, but I still think that that I th- I still think that he had such a good golf year. He played so well that I think it's it's almost unfair in some ways to sort of single out those major championships. And yet, if you take what Brooks Kepka said, those are easier to win. Where is he? Yeah. Well, and, and as, as Rory said in a recent interview, he tries to make, or make the, the majors feel like a regular week. But as he said, he's honest with the media. He said, they're just not. They're not. You, you sort of yag yourself up a little more, and, and uh, we'll see what he can do next year for sure. Before we put a bow on the PGA Championship, uh, they're going to have a new home. PGA of America will have a new home. So that's going to certainly change the rota uh, of the PGA Championship. I believe our days uh, you know, in, in Hazleton in Minnesota are probably gone. Um, Oak Hill down the road, maybe That'd be cold. Yeah, maybe that out of the road as well in in Rochester as we get further down the line and they start picking dates. If you could pick one course or one part of the world or one part of the country where you'd like to see a PGA Championship, where you could say, "Hey, you know, they could try something here." Is there some, uh, I don't know. I'd love to see a major in the desert. I don't know if it would work. I don't know if they could set it up difficult enough to, to, to justify a major championship or if there's a course that deserves it. I don't know. There's some great desert golf out there that they've had over the years. There's places in Florida, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I've been ra- racking my brain on this because Keough Island, the ocean mm-hmm. course Keough Island, is one of my favorite major championship venues on the eastern seaboard. Is there a course like that out there that comes to mind where you think uh, could, could, could justify PGA? For me, I, you know, we mentioned sort of the PGA having its own identity, and I think it'd be, it'd be cool if it was a course that they went to, a range of courses that they went to anywhere in the Pacific time zone. So it was always in prime time. From a viewing. TV standpoint, I sure. think that would give it some sort of different identity. Yeah. Um, and any course sort of in that part of the region, I think I would really enjoy anyway. Bob? Well, don't forget, uh, don't forget the PGA of America is moving. They're moving that's to Frisco, Texas, yeah, that's where they're so building that's golf be their courses. New home. So right. that's yeah. that's you know it's already locked in there. Right. So I think that's what it really opens up is a lot of those southern courses that in the summertime it's just too hot for a U.S. Open. Right. Uh, so I think it's going to be Florida. I think it's going to be possibly Arizona. These are big markets. Don't forget. And this is all about business. This right. is about mm-hmm. selling tickets. Right. And if you have never been to a major golf championship and it comes to your town, 
boy, it's pretty attractive all yeah. of a sudden, and the PGA's got to like that. Yeah, certainly. Okay, well, time will tell. It's going to be interesting to see where these venues pop up. To Bob's point, like I said uh, uh, moments ago, this, they're going to have a new home, mm-hmm. and it's going to be in the Rota. How often it's in the Rota, that'll be, that'll be to, to, to see. But I, I hope we see some surprises. Let's just put it that yeah, way. I'd like sure. to see some surprises. On the other side, we will hear from the PGA champion, Brooks Kepka. This is our Golf Talk Canada Year in Review special. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by Tourism Ireland, home of the 2019 Open Championship. Visit GolfAwayTours.com to book your Irish golf adventure. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of Golf Talk Canada is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. You're in review specials. We take a look at the major championship season in our first year in review. Well, you can't talk majors without talking Brooks Kepka. PGA Championship, it was his fourth win in his last six major starts. Bob had an opportunity to sit down one-on-one with Brooks immediately following his PGA Championship. Brooks, congratulations. Can you sum up what today means to you? No, <laughs> I can't actually. Uh, roller coaster of emotions, uh, very special. I'm so excited. The amount of grit, the amount of fight I had to I had to use today uh, was nothing I've ever experienced, and that's what that's what made this one the most satisfying of all the majors I've won. Any point today, did you feel this thing slipping away from you? No, I never lost the lead. I never felt like um, I was out of. Yes, I wasn't playing great. The conditions were terrible. Um, but it it never felt like it was out of grasp. Um, I always had a lead. I always knew where I stood, and you know somebody had to come get me. Even though I wasn't, I had a four hole stretch where I did not play good. I didn't drive it very well. Didn't give myself any chances. But you know that's going to happen. That's Beth Page. It's um, tough golf course, especially in these conditions. After you won the U.S. Open last year, I asked. I said, "Did you win that tournament with your putter?" You said, "Yes." After you won at Bell Reeve last year, I said, did you win that with your driver? You said, yes, I'm going to go try and go three for three here. Did you win this tournament with your irons? You hit it so close. You were leading the field in greens and like in regulation and in proximity. Yeah, if I hit the fairway, I did. Um, <laughs> the fairway was a bit of a struggle uh, to find it this week. Um, but when I did, I felt like I, I was very close to the hole, and that's always a good feeling. And uh, to be able to make some of those Thirty putts from close range, uh, built some confidence. I felt like I actually putted well. I don't know where I stood in the stats, but uh, I felt like I didn't miss any short ones. Um, and, the, and the ones I did miss, I felt like I hit good putts, and that's all you're trying to do. Do you feel you get kind of mischaracterized as just being a power player? We just talked about your irons, your putting. I know you told me once you figure you're one of the most underrated putters on the PGA Tour. I mean, I feel that way. Uh, you know, I saw I saw a few of the strokes um, <laughs> I've made today just from the highlight reel and. They look pretty good. Um, started online, and you know that's Poe. Uh, I made everything the first two days. If I'm being honest, that's that's hard to do on Poe. Um, <laughs> and so eventually, it's going to 
stats are going to catch up to you. And on the weekend, you're going to miss a few. Um, and that just happens. But um, I felt like I putted really well. Uh, obviously, played well. They won. So that works. <laughs> Seven years ago, you were teeing it up halfway around the world in places like Kazakhstan, things like that. What have you learned from that point to where you are here? Not so much about on the golf course, but about who you are. Yeah, I think definitely who I am. Um, it's been a it's been a long journey, interesting journey. It's something I've probably matured um, off the golf course way more. Um, I think I challenge anybody to go do what I did and and see where they come out. It's um, it's an interesting road. It's fun. Um, I don't regret it one bit, and I think doing what I did has led me to where I am now. It's um, it's been very humbling, very. Never forget where you came from and, uh, and the road you took. Brooks, congratulations. We'll see you in a couple of weeks up at the RBC Canadian Open. We, we like to think of that as our fifth major, so yeah. hope you can cash in there as well. Thanks. Appreciate it. Well, that wraps up hour one of our first year in review special. Still lots to come in hour two. We're going to take a look at the U.S. Open, the Open Championship. Still dive very deep into the major season that was 2019. Lots still to come for Golf Talk Canada. We have a year in review special uh, for television coming up around that Christmas New Year's season that lines up with the rest of the lists and best of in year review. We'll take a look back from a TV standpoint on the year that was in the world of golf. And also February 1st, mark the date down, February 1st. That is our first live Golf Talk Canada radio show of 2020, season 10. Oh, where is the time gone? (laughs) Season 10, kicking off February 1st, Golf Talk Canada radio. And we'll be kicking off season 10 with a major announcement of how you can consume GTC in 2020. Boys, thanks so much for hour one. Hour two coming up next. Remember, first good decision on the golf course. It always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories, including DigiFit Floor Liner, the most advanced concept in floor protection today. Visit weathertech.ca. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada for blogs, podcasts, show archives, our YouTube channel, or for more information, visit us online at golftalkcanada.com. We'll be right back with more GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, one of our many year review specials uh, between Golf Talk Canada Radio and TV. Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, Adam Scully, as we take a look at the year of major championship golf. All right, before we dive into this U.S. Open, I don't know, I got one of my Twitter things lit up the other day, and uh, I, Chris McKee was cutting something, trying to populate some content because we're, we're not doing a lot of TV this time of year, and he went back and he got me saying something about how disappointed I was mm. in the majors this year. 
Oh. And I went, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, and right now I'm kind of on a bit of an upswing because the Asian swing's been a bit of a surprise for me. And I'm like, oh, the Asian swing's been good with the quality of winners and Tiger and Justin and Rory. I'm like, oh, this is good. But I'm looking back now. And we're talking about the years, the year that was the major championship, and we, you know, we we've closed the door at Augusta, which was a super high PGA Championship. Now the U.S. Open, and I, you know, I was so excited about the U.S. Open going back to Pebble and just the history of the U.S. Open at Pebble. Because to me, Pebble Beach is to the U.S. Open in many ways what the old course is to, to, the, to the Open Championship. You hear even players say it. When you win an Open Championship, it's special. But when you win an Open Championship at St. Andrews, it's more special. And you've heard Jack Nicklaus and Tiger say that about the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. But now that we're talking about it, guys, before we dive directly into the U.S. Open, I got to tell you, this major C- I was right. I was right <laughs> when I said it on TV, I think, in August. I was like, what a disappointing year for them. I'm like, I'm looking at these majors going, man, that just not a lot to chew on here. Well, I, I did some, so going into these shows, I did, uh, I, I looked back at the final rounds of all four majors. And watching the final round, I'll start with the U.S. Open, um, it was a little, I mean, it was really a three-horse race. At, at times, you know, Adam Scott, Xander Shoffley were sort of knocking on the door, Rory McIlroy to a degree. Um, but the conditions of Pebble Beach were strange. Like, in past years, we've harped on uh, the U.S. Open or the USGA for the way they set up the golf courses and how they've ruined the U.S. Open. But this year, that was never, we never talked about that once. It was never really an issue. And uh, But it was, as, as the optimist that I, I am, I didn't mind it. Um, I mean, it was, it was, wasn't like it was a nobody contending. Um, but I mean, uh, it, it wasn't I, the leaderboard, like the quality of the names for me. Yeah. Cause you're right. Yeah. Quality, it's the lack of drama. That's fair. That's the problem I have, Bob. You know, for me, I look back at the USO, but you know what my wins are? We didn't talk about rules. Yeah. We didn't talk about course setup. And I thought the Fox broadcast was outstanding. I thought they finally hit their stride mm. and they finally got it right. Mm-hmm. I love some of the drone uh, angles we've seen. We see at the Monterey Peninsula that we've never seen before. I thought they did a great job. To me, those are the highlights. Not the golf, not the drama. You know, if you, the interesting thing for me is if, if you ask anybody who won the golf tournament, most people can probably say Gary Woodland. Mm-hmm. If you ask anybody, what did he shoot? Where was it? What was his score to par? Mm-hmm. Does anybody really remember? Like, that yeah. to me was a big win for the USGA because it just shows everybody. It doesn't matter that he was 13 under par, which right. he was. They always tried to get it at even par. Right. So to me, that was that was if there was any drama in it, it was the fact that they were making some birdies. It was that third round or what, he shot 65. Second round, I think Gary Woodland. Yes. So I think if you if you look at some of those those shot making, some of the birdies that they were. I mean, I think we knew they were probably going to go fairly low at Pebble Beach just because of the nature of the golf course. Mm. But if there was any drama, that was it. And it, I, I think it's nice to see a guy, a good guy, who you think had the ability to win a major finally get through and get that. Mm-hmm. If, but you're right. There was a little bit lacking. There wasn't three guys down the stretch. It was more about guys missing shots, I think. There was a couple of clutch shots for Woodland, that uh, three Woody hit into the par oh. five. But, you know, there was guys like John Rahm who probably could have could have uh, risen up a little bit better. Ches Reeve had, had a you know surprisingly yeah. good uh, round. So I think there was, you're right, There was. it was a good win. But was it a good tournament? Mediocre. And I have no problem with Gary Woodland. Like, mm. he quality winner, great story, feel-good story, you know, has been through, uh, you know, real life off the golf course that maybe makes golf 
more in focus of what it, you know, mm-hmm. a more appropriate uh, level of importance in the in the grand scheme of things. Uh, Rory McIlroy, by the way, guys, with another backdoor top ten, <laughs> never ever th- a threat to win this golf tournament at any point. But the record book will show T nine for Rory McIlroy, and and this was the week after the RBC Canadian Open as well, which right. he was unstoppable. He, he annihilated the field, yeah. right? So. Um, there was some, listen, I had no problem with the course setup. I had no problem with the winner. Again, all that stuff. Is, was this, was this the USGA being too safe? 1300, was it too safe or was it smart? They just said, in a way, I feel like the USGA in a way said we're at Pebble Beach and we're going to let mother nature dictate the score. And I like that because that's a very open championship way Mm -hmm. of doing things. Mm -hmm. Some people will argue that. Uh, double digits under par, you know, old school thinking. There are people out there, we know some of them, that would just say, well, double digits under par should never win a U.S. Open. I don't think there was much they could have done other than sticking the pins in the bunkers to get the <laughs> yeah. score lower, yeah. you know. I mean, it was a, it was a moist kind of uh, climate there, so the greens were f- predictably soft for for most of the tournament. Um, you know, it was cooler weather, so so you, I don't know. It just, it, the, grass, the grass was growing, but not to the point where it was ridiculously penal like the PGA Championship. There's only so many things you can do at a course like Pebble Beach to protect against par. But again, like I, I just wish people would sort of forget about it. And the USGA, forget about, you know, he, the winner has to be one over or one under right around there. But again, you know, it was just not, as you pointed out, Mark, just not enough big-time drama that you want to see down the stretch. Like we had at Shinnecock with Tommy Fleetwood coming in, yeah. you know, putting in a, a charge. It was most yes. of the guy who really probably could have put the heat on on Woodland was probably the guy who played perhaps the worst round was Justin Rose, shooting 74, I think, right. he shot in the last mm-hmm. round. Right. There was a guy who could have put the heat on him, but yep. nobody really did. It was not that it, he cruised to it, but I, I never really worried that he wasn't going to get it done. Well, and some crazy, for Justin Rose, he really didn't hit the ball that well the first three days. He averaged 24 putts around in the yeah, first yeah. three days. Uh, and then in the final round, it sort of caught up to him. He shot 74, he shot three over par. And but even for Brooks Kepka, he came out flying out of the gate. But then his putter got cold from holes. He missed a short uh, birdie putt on six and seven, and then sort of that m- the middle of the round, he sort of got stuck in neutral. And then he tried to make that big comeback and just missed the birdie on eighteen. But um, you know, pretty crazy to think that he almost won his third straight U.S. Well, Open. You know, to me, that's a story that didn't get enough credit, and this and that's the reason why I was shocked and my jaw dropped when. Uh, Rory McIlroy was player of the year. Now, listen, Rory McIlroy had a great season. Let's remove what happened in China because mm-hmm. that's a separate season. Right. Okay. Yep. He had three wins and three pretty good ones. Canadian Open, which is obviously near and dear to us, on a, a, a and at one point on a global scale, a massively recognized tournament. Right. Mm-hmm. Players Championship to a lot of the players is as big as it gets because they know. That that's as deep of a field that, that they see every year. To, to, to them, that is, there's not much difference. The media makes a big difference, but to them, the players have champion and, and, and obviously a World Golf Championship event, right? But Brooks Kepka also won a World Golf Championship event. And he also had three wins. He also had a major as one of those three wins. And you're right, Adam. This is on the verge. A couple of putts, and it's three majors in a row. Okay, he's already at this point, at this point coming into this tournament, he's already won four of his last six. It could have quite easily been six 
of his last. What did I get that? No, name? it, 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 it would have been five of his last nine. Sorry, five yeah. of his last. Sorry, five of his last nine. Math's never been my. Head. <laughs> it's a good thing we're in golf. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's why we never let you have the score. That's right. You guys keep score. I, uh, you know, Mark shot sixty-one. That's today. why yeah. I have to be a good player because I'm only capable of one under, one over. I'm not much. Uh, once I get past one of either side of par, I, I'm not very good. So, um, you, you're seeing my point here. Oh, 100 percent. Like we're, we're talking, uh, we're, we're talking Tiger-esque type of uh, of of career achievements here. A couple of putts your way. Now, you know what? If golf tournaments were 54 holes or the record books gave wins for second-place finishes, you could throw all the cliches you want. I get it. It never happened. But when you're identifying player of the year and two guys have three wins and one guy has a major and the other guy doesn't, and one guy was on the verge of winning three in a row and top-fived in all, all of them, them. Well, how? How are we sitting here and Brooks Kepka isn't player? How? Yeah, it's it's puzzling to that degree. But I, if I could go on about uh, Kepka, um, you know, when when he so he wins wins the PGA Championship, excuse me, and then goes to the RBC Canadian Open, says he didn't touch a club going from the PGA until tw- right. two days before, and then he sort of he, he finishes T fifty at the RBC Canadian Open. So it doesn't really look like. I mean, obviously he's trying, but like he just didn't really have it. And then he goes obviously at the Open Championship. He says, "Well, I only practice for majors." Yada yada yada. And then, He's polarizing. Well, he is, but it's it's. I, it's, think, it, it's, I think it's good for golf because it's different, right? Well, it's good for golf because we might actually have a villain and a good guy that might go toe to toe in twenty twenty. We might actually have a guy that's super likable that everybody loves that can wear the white hat and bounce around and and just handle himself yeah. like a veteran in the media and a guy who's won major championships by eight shots and 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 the fact that one of them's European and the other one's American makes it even better, Bob. Sure. Well, just. Just, just hold your horses, though. Don't forget Brooks Kepka is coming off a little bit of a knee surgery. Yeah. That's true, yeah. too. You know, That's true, so too. Dustin yeah. Johnson's coming off a little bit of a knee surgery. Right. Mm-hmm. So I hope those things are uh, are fine. But uh, but you're right. It's yeah. I, it's it's not bad for golf. No. There's no way you can say it's bad for golf. I personally cringe sometimes when he says these things. I don't like it's just golf. He's, oh, it's just golf. How many times have you heard him say that quote? This year, it's just golf. But that's what he needs to do to right. play better, mm-hmm. as opposed to Brooks Kepka, who says, all I need to do is play well in the majors, or all I want to do is play right. well in the majors. So everybody has their road that they want to go down to being play, to playing really, really good golf. Those two guys just have it right. basically at opposite ends. <sighs> it's, just, it's just hard for, I guess, you know what, I've, I've been obviously in it too long. <laughs> that's, a, that's, what, that's what we're getting out of this, Bob. I've been in uh... it too long, because when, when someone minimalizes what it is, it's hard for me to swallow. And that's where the pushback, that's where the polarization comes. If you're a new golf fan or somebody to golf that was only here for the Tiger era and got used to watching what Tiger does on a golf tournament and just kind of rewrite the way it's done, you're probably not as uh, rubbed the wrong way by Brooks Kepka's comments as somebody who uh, watched it for decades before where it was tough to do and you didn't do the things that tiger did and you waited to your 30s to win all those things yep. that we used to say right sure, Bob? That's right your best years were supposed to be between right. 35 and 45 and then <laughs> tiger changed everything and now kepka is an extension mm-hmm. of that and mm-hmm. that's just the way it is so getting back to the champion though we just did a whole segment on the u.s open barely talked about gary woodland well we'll hear from gary woodland next popular victory his first major championship and he's part of that President's Cup team now as a captain's pick for Tiger Woods. Well, he'll went one-on-one with Bob. We'll hear from him next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. 
No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. To plan your next golf holiday, visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Only 30 minutes from downtown Toronto, with flexible membership packages and one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Cedar Bray is the place to be. Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our year review special as we look at the majors of 2019. And we're in U.S. Open mode, and it was a popular victory. Regardless of how you felt about the winning score, regardless of how you felt about the drama or lack of down the stretch, the one thing that you can argue is the popular victory of Gary Woodland. He's well-liked. It's well-deserved. He's a great player. He's won on different stages, and now he's got himself a major. Bob went one-on-one with Gary Woodland following his U.S. Open victory. Gary, congratulations. All week you had this calmness over you when you walked out into the golf course. Peter Thompson once said that champion golfers always have a calmness about them, but what was it like this morning before you teed off? Because you had been drummed into your head about that 54-hole record 0 for 7, but what was it like leading up to and getting onto that first tee? I've heard it a lot, and I heard it a lot last night when I got done, and when I got back last night and you know I had room service, I didn't get back till late last night, I kept telling myself, records are meant to be broken. And when I woke up this morning, I believed it. Um, and that was huge for me today. I was calm all day, um, stayed in the moment, but I never felt like the moment was too big. I never felt like the stage was too big. Um, I kind of blocked out the excess noise and stayed within myself and it really showed today on the golf course. Two key shots today, the second shot on 14, the wedge on 17. How decisive were you that you were going to play those when you got there? Was there a lot of talk about it, or did you know in your heart that these were the shots to play? Yeah, you know, the, the one on 17, I knew. I, I'd had that shot actually earlier in the week, so I was able to execute that knowing I could rely on past experiences. Um, Butchie, my caddy, and I, we talked earlier in this week about playing aggressive. You know, I wanted to play aggressive. It's in my nature. I want to be aggressive. The game's really good. And when I hit that shot on 14, I got up there, and I the number was, was pretty good for a three-wood. But I knew there was a lot going on. I just saw Justin Rose lay up. I knew I only had a one-shot lead. I know left's bad. I know right's out of bounds. And I was thinking inside to kind of lay up. It was just the first time I probably was playing defensive all day. And Butchie says, let's go. Let's hit three wood. It's the play. Let's go. Hit it three wood. Take it at the right edge of the green and hit it up there. And that gave me not only confidence for that shot, but it gave me confidence the rest of the day. And I think that was a huge turning point, not only in today's round, but going forward. Um, I know that the guy next to me, I can rely on so much for him. He has confidence in me to execute when I need to. You put a lot of hard work in on your short game. I know that you've, you've spent time reading greens, chipping. I understand you actually practiced that shot like you did on 17. You practiced off hitting greens. What was it like this week? You put so much into that, and the game has come so far, that part of it. What was it like to be able to rely on that and trust that part of your game? Because it was exceptional. It, it made me feel comfortable, knowing that I was in a shot that I, I had hit that shot in practice. And that was a big deal. I, we had changed my practice over the last couple of months to really get more game, game-like. game And I was in situations this week where probably not in good spots, whatever, but I had hit those shots in practice, and I felt comfortable. And that's a huge deal. When you feel comfortable and I'm able to focus on myself and, and execute the shot itself, I can block out the excess noise. Uh, the last couple of years, a lot of guys have pointed to you and saying, okay, Gary Whittle now has uh, the game to win a major championship. 
forget the golf swings. What inside told you that you had the ability to win? I've believed, I don't know if I, what it was, but I believed since I was a little kid that I was born to be a great professional athlete. And I didn't know what sport that would be. It transitioned into golf later in my life, but I always believed I was born to be great. Um, and I, I don't know if I was great just this week, but I believe that I can do it. And I think that's huge. When you come in with that attitude, when you can believe in yourself, you believe in the people around you, uh, great things will happen. Your caddy, you've referred to him a couple times already, Brennan Little. Yeah. He's a big celebrity in Canada. I don't know if you know that or not. <laughs> oh, I hear about it all the time. <laughs> okay. I hear about it. What role did he play in helping you get across his finish line today? Butchie, as I call him, he's been huge for me. Uh, we've been together three years now, but he works hard, and that, that makes me work hard. I, I know that when I'm out there working, I know he's working to get better as well. Um, but when, like today on 14, when, when I can rely on him under the gun, when I don't know really the decision making, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not new to this game, but he's been around a lot longer than I have. Um, I rely on him. I trust him with everything. Um, I always say, we're going to go on your decisions. If they're wrong, it's your fault, not mine. I'm going to roll on you. So I trust him with everything I do. Um, and he was phenomenal this week. And I say that shot on 14, he gave me the confidence to finish this thing. Congratulations. We'll see you in Port Rush. Thanks. Look forward to it. Guys, like I said off the top, it's a popular victory, and it was a brilliant performance. Maybe we didn't get that, oh, he needs to birdie 18 to win, or this could go any way in the last 30 minutes or so of the broadcast. But we did get one of the highlight shots of the year when we think of Gary Woodland on the 17th green. When we look back on it, and you're looking at Woodland's performance, Adam, what stands out? What impressed you most about Woodland at Pebble Beach. It was it's consistency. I mean, four rounds in the 60s at Pebble Beach, is, that's pretty darn impressive. And, you know, the way he he's always been known as this bomber, this ball striker, but he didn't hit a lot of drivers off the tees because he can't because it's it's a shorter golf course. It's the way it's set up. A lot of, eye, lot of long irons, a lot of, lots of three woods, and he putted really well, especially in that final round as well. In the same sort of spot where Kepka was faltering in the group ahead of him, Woodland made par save after par save after par save. Uh, and then when it could have gotten closer, like if Kepka had birdied 18, it would have been a one-shot difference. He just missed it. And Woodland finished it off playing 18 smartly and making a bomb for birdie on that 18th hole. So it was it was impressive to see what he did and great to see uh, him break through. He had that experience with Tiger at the 2018 PGA in the final round, so he got sort of the feeling of what it's like to be close to winning a major championship, and um, he took those lessons and, and won it all. Bob, for you, what 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 do you stands out, and does the setup almost help uh, Woodland in a sense where it made him become a smarter player, forced him to, to hit irons in three woods? Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it. I think two things stand out for me. One is about a year and a half ago, he was so frustrated with his putting. I remember standing near, right near him on the uh, on the putting green, and what he thought he was doing. He actually had, they had an emergency uh, emergency session with with Phil Cannon, a noted putting instructor. And what he actually thought he was doing, he thought he was hitting it on the toe, and he was actually hitting it on the heel. That's how bad his putting was. So he went and worked hard on his putting, went and worked hard on his short game as well. And that kind of made him a well-rounded, and I think a well-rounded player. And that's kind of, for me, what you saw in this championship. As as Adam was just saying, you know, putted really well. That great little chip shot he hit on 17. And I I think the other thing that came out in that interview— was how big a role that uh, Brandon Little, his caddy, yes. Butchie, Canadian Brandon Little, yep. who was on the bag for so many years for Mike Weir, how big a role he played in just pushing him into that confidence zone, you know, saying, you've got the shots here, you can do this, you can hit that three-wood there. And sometimes that's all it takes is to kind of push you over the level. Mm-hmm. Maybe the most underrated relationship of all this, in all the sports. 
player caddy. Oh, yeah. Maybe, hands down. On the other side, we're going to flip the page, look at the season's final major, and what Bob Weeks called the greatest celebration of an Open Championship he's ever seen. (laughs) This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Acura, was brought to you by Cedar Bray Golf Club. Only 30 minutes from downtown Toronto, with flexible membership packages and one of Canada's top 100 golf courses. Cedar Bray is the place to be. Visit cedarbraygolf.com for more information. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Addy Power Forged. Increase stability exactly where you need it. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sakino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada Year in Review Special, one of several Year in Review Specials where we take a look back on the year that was 2019, and this is the major edition. We've talked Masters, we've talked PGA, and we've talked U.S. Open, and obviously Brooks Kepka's name has kind of been a theme in this show, considering what he did in the first three majors of the year. And when we got to Ireland uh, for the Open Championship... Uh, that name would continue. Kepka with another top five, a brilliant performance in a T4, but really, this was all about Shane Lowry, guys. Uh, the Irishman getting it done. Uh, and for me, the Open Championship, Royal Portrush, the star of, of the Open Championship for me was Royal Portrush. Very similar to when we get to Pebble Beach, uh, it's the star. Oh, uh, the Old Course St. Andrews, it's the star. Augusta every year, Augusta's the star. This felt a lot like that. The anticipation of the Open Championship going back to Royal Portrush was huge. And, Bob, you know, let's start with you because I remember, you know, talking to you while you were over there, talking to you when you came back. You said it's it's probably the greatest Open Championship you've ever attended and maybe the best major in terms of just the celebration and the way the championship was embraced and just the energy on on the golf course. Go Take us back there. What? Describe the energy. Describe the atmosphere. It, it was very. It was grand in, in nature. Yeah, I mean this. This was much more than just a golf tournament. This was a return to Northern Ireland. A, you know, a place where they've <laughs> for a long, long, long time they've had the troubles, as they called them there, and a lot of people just shied away from it. A lot of people wouldn't go there, and it was a real uh, team effort. Players, officials, all sorts. Of, Gray McDowell was in there, and. You know, all these guys pushing to try and get this championship at a, at a golf course that certainly could hold its own was world-class. So when you got there, I mean, it was, it was a sensation. It was a celebration. I think it didn't even matter who won the tournament. That just added on to the greatness, even though it was from the other Ireland, not Northern Ireland, but the, they was, everyone was Irish on that day. But you sensed all the way around that people were just happy uh, in the towns, in the pubs, uh, on the golf course, Everywhere you went, and Adam can attest to this too, being mm-hmm. in the pubs quite a bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but, you know, it, it really, really felt to me like people were really enjoying it. And it was also kind of an every man's open as opposed to sometimes you go to the opens and you get this sense that it's at a private club. Well, you're at Murfield, it's going to feel different. Yeah. Right, a little bit like that. This felt nothing like that. This was so much fun. You just wanted to, to bottle it up and capture it. 
And it makes no surprise that they've basically already said they're going back a couple more times, at least in the next little while, to, to go back there because it's huge success. Same thing to you, Adam. It uh, feels well, since another another. Well, a big thing going into it was the great unknown that was Royal Port Rush because a lot of the big names hadn't been there before. Tiger right. had never been there before. Brooks Kepka had never been to Northern Ireland before. Right. Of course, Kepka's caddy um, was uh, basically grew, grew up, up there. there. Yes. Uh, funny story with him. I being on the grounds at Royal Port Rush, uh, Kepka played the morning wave on the Friday, and Ricky Elliott was walking around amidst the fans with double-fisting beers. <laughs> it was, it was great. It. No, it, was, it was funny. But no, but the golf course itself, it was, uh, it was unbelievable. It was, um, having played the golf course five years ago, my anticipation was through the roof for this thing, and it was just a fair setup. Yeah. And another cool thing about it, we saw every condition possible, really. Well, you know, on, on the Saturday, there was no wind. There was, they, they were playing in a dome. And Sunday came, and... Bam! It was crazy carnage, and and that is uh, Irish golf in an, in, a, in a snapshot. Yeah, and it should be like that. If you don't like the weather in Ireland, wait fifteen minutes. Yeah, right, because you will get all four seasons in eighteen holes. I love this championship for everything you guys said. And to Bob's point, in in U.S. terms, you know, there's something different about a U.S. Open to a lesser degree, but in the same theme as when a U.S. Open is at Shinnecock versus Torrey Pines. You know, municipal golf course on the mm-hmm. West Coast versus a very high-end, prestigious, uh, exclusive venue that most people will never get a chance to, to, to visit, never mind play. Uh, but even more so when you, when you think of the RNA and the history of the game and clubs like Murfield, you know, the, in my mind, the closest the Open Championship have ever gotten to this before would have been St. Andrews, the home of golf. But there's still that RNA shadow where you... You can't get in the clubhouse, and there's certain. Yes, they open it up as a park on Sunday, and and it's a game of the people, and the and the town is very much uh, a part of St Andrews and the old course. There's still that shadow of the RNA, and 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 uh, the fact that you know you can't you can't walk in and have lunch, and you can't you know I mean things like that that are very much an old theme and an old school way of looking at at the game of golf. This is completely different. To, to your point, Bob, and 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 the, the way it felt and the celebration it was, and in a way, almost works better. In a way, looking back, we thought this you know we this was going to be Rory's championship, right? He had the course record there. He played there as a junior, and you know the history of of Rory McIlroy in the golf course, etc. But Rory's the chosen one. He got the tap on the shoulder from Hollywood Park Golf Club, okay? He has been relevant for 12 years on a global scale, okay? He's a major champion. It's almost more fitting that Shane Lowry gets it done, and he gets the claret jug. It's almost more a fitting story to the backdrop uh, of, of what this Open Championship was, that it's not the golden child. Uh, 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 of European golf that gets the nod, that it's Shane Lowry that gets he, it. Shane Lowry is the perfect everyman. Remember when he won the Irish Open and as a young guy? and I mean, that was, that was another big celebration. But this one was, a, if a guy was going to celebrate a victory of any kind, anywhere, anytime, Shane Lowry was the man for the job. And, you know, I, I think surpri- not, not that, it wasn't really that big of a surprise that he won when you look at the year he had. I mean, tied for second mm-hmm. at the uh, Canadian Open, tied for eighth at the PGA. Uh, I mean, he had a lot of good performances. He was playing some really good golf, and I think he and he's just familiar got in, with that type of golf. He right? just got in that groove. I'll yeah. never forget the lasting memory I have of him is when we went out there, cameraman Dean Willers and I. We basically were out in this pouring rain, and Dean just said, "Look up, we've got to get back in. My, this is going to ruin my camera." 
And I said, okay. And we were bundled up. We were wearing hats and mitts and toques and, you know, layers. And, and then I look over at Shane Lowry. And he's like in his short sleeves and just walking around like it's 75 <laughs> degrees and he's, he's in the desert somewhere. And, man, I thought if there's ever a, a, a horse for a course, this is the guy. And don't yeah. tell me that's not an advantage. That is a huge advantage. Oh, my God, absolutely. To, to, to be, uh, you know, uh, acclimated to that type of weather, that type of golf, to not be wearing 9,000 layers, to be able to go out there and play and, and feel relatively like it's just another round of golf in that weather is a massive advantage. And, you know, th- on occasion, every other year in the Ryder Cup, you know, I've had this discussion with with my my friends, the Paulsons, you know, who I work with on PG Tour Radio, and you know, they're, they're, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, what's with the formula, Team USA, Ryder Cup, etc. I said, well, you know, the, one of my theories on why the the, the, the Ryder Cup USA team has, has not done so well in the last twenty years is the time of year they play the Ryder Cup and the type of golf. Even when the Ryder Cup is on U.S. soil, it's cold and damp. We're playing it in the fall. Most of these guys, let's be honest, they're pampered. They play most of their schedule chasing the sun. That's what they do for a living. They chase the sun. The European Tour does not chase the sun. Mm-hmm. The Dunhill Cup, which is like their version of, of the AT&T Pebble Beach uh, National Pro-Am, is horrible. What a horrible experience. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> come out here and freeze to death. They're all wearing toques and mitts. Right, they're playing on the on the on the sea on Kings Barnes. It's coming in sideways. It's ripping them apart. They're cold to the bone. It's that it's a different sport. It's not abnormal to them. You know, it really has to be severe before it gets to a day like where they go, okay, we don't play golf. Mm-hmm. And don't tell me that's not an advantage in the Ryder Cup. And don't tell me that's not an advantage, Scully, to Shane Lowry here at a night. Well, uh, and, and uh, to your point, you know, Justin Thomas said after the, uh, the round that that was the, the hardest conditions, the toughest conditions he's ever played in his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Shane Lowry is out there in short sleeves. And for a while there, I mean, that golf course, it wasn't unplayable, obviously. but It was pretty darn close. It was pretty close. And I, I was lucky I was down the street, fortunately, indoors. Watching it, it was the, the entertainment was crazy. But, yes, Shane Lowry won by six. But it could have turned pretty quickly. That first hole, Lowry made, I want to say, about an eight-footer for bogey. And Fleetwood missed a putt inside 10 feet for birdie. Yep. So the right leader, there. leaderboard doesn't necessarily tell the story. Fleet, Fleetwood missed a bunch of short putts. Yeah. If Fleetwood had been a half good putter that day, mm-hmm. he, would have, he would have been a lot closer down the stretch. If, if Tommy Fleetwood isn't the most due major champion in the world right now, considering what he's done in majors in the last two years, if it's not Tommy Fleetwood, who is it? Because hmm. I'm looking back, at the, and I'm looking at names popping up. Fino? Maybe. Patrick what? Cantley? Rom? John yeah. Rom? Well, and, and guys who are maybe not due anymore, but how about Lee Westwood was in the top five of this? He yeah. was right there. He's looking right. Like he a was right there. Too. And then that right. putter, it's, he was a, a little vomity in the in the three foot range. But, I, I'm not. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not suggesting it's not the conversation of who's the best in the world without a major, because you could say Tony Finau, you could say John Rom, Ricky Fowler, Ricky Fowler. I personally believe that John Rom's the best in the world right now. Right now, not not historically or in the last ten years, but I think right now at this current time, I believe that John Rom is the best player in the world without a major. That's not the the, the question or the conversation. I'm just saying in terms of who's due. Man, Fleetwood has come close on both sides of the pond yep. in multiple majors, and it hasn't happened. I think I don't think Tommy Fleetwood's the best in the world without a major. I just think he might just be the most due. 
Yeah, and going into that Open Championship, he was, I, I remember I, he was my pick to win. He was uh, obviously the U.S. Open the year previous. He was, he was right there knocking on the door. Um, at the Ryder Cup, he's shown some great um, you know, experience there. Uh, he's got to be up there for sure. And, and he showed quite a performance there at Royal Portrush too. Out of the guys we mentioned, and I know we're going to do, uh, we're, you know, we're going to wrap up today's show and our, our other year reviews, we're going to do predictions and we're going to do disappointments, et cetera. But Bob, if you had to pick one player right now who you think can win a major next year and it will be a first time major win for that player, who's it going to be? It's going to be Patrick Cantley. Yeah. Patrick I just Cantley. think yeah. he's got a game built for major championships. Right. And he is, I think he's now. Um, really confident in his abilities. I think that's that, that's what you saw this year, perhaps more than any other player that I see went from sort of not to having it. I just love his game right now, and I think he's got a big time game for major championships. Adam, for me, it's Xander Shoffley. Xander Shoffley. He, he's had some great uh, finishes. You know, T two at the Masters this year, uh, U.S. Opens. He's been unbelievable as well. He had a bit of a strange story this year at the Open Championship yes, with did. his driver, yeah. uh, but I think he's due, and I think next year's the year for Xander. You know, if you. <laughs> Man, Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, John Rahm, I mean, Tony Finau. Would any of those names have been wrong? Are they all not ready? You know, uh, None of those would be a surprise if no. you saw them winning, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. None of them mm-hmm. would be a surprise. And I know Tony maybe hasn't won as much as mm-hmm. some, mm-hmm. but he has come close in big events enough where it wouldn't be a surprise, right? It's yeah. not that he hasn't won, but I mean, like, John Rahm on a global scale – has won a lot if we're looking at both sides of the pond yep. in a short period of time. And when I mean a lot, I mean like he's winning on the regular. He's winning on, on an annual basis, uh, and he's winning different types of golf tournaments all over the world. Tony Finau maybe not has done that to the same degree. But, man, I mean, he has shown that he can play big events whenever he feels like it and content, right, and, and, and top five and be there come Sunday. And he was one of the lone bright spots on that Team U.S. Uh, Ryder Cup Ryder disaster Cup. Right. in France. And, yeah, he's and, he's, and he's shown he can play well on one leg. That's one right. <laughs> That's right. And as we record this, guys, as we record this, we don't know what Team USA's performance was like at the President's Cup as we record this. Mm-hmm. But we assume that it will go down the way most President's Cups have gone down and how it looks on paper. And we assume that Tony Fino has probably had a very good President's Cup mm-hmm. as we sit here. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see when we look back on this. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's yeah. an upset. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> if we all agree, there's one thing I've learned in 10 years of Golf Talk Canada. If we all agree on something, Something's bet the happen. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bet the over. Bet the over. All right. On the other side, we will wrap up today's show and uh, preview what's coming up in our next Golf Talk Canada re- year in review, as well as some housekeeping on all things GTC. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new Addy Power Forged. Increased stability exactly where you need it. Visit adidasgolf.ca. Adidas, geared for more.
This segment of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Acura, is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada. Zucchino, Weeks, Scully, as we wrap up our first year in review special uh next week's show our upcoming part two of the year in review a lot of canadiana we're going to talk uh brooke henderson we're going to talk Corey connors adam hadwin just the the presence on the tour the success of the rbc canadian open the success of canadians really on every major tour around the world it was it was quite the year there's different angles to take on this uh, for the year that was Canadian golf. Uh, overall, you keep uh, expectations in check. What a great year for Canadian golf. If you're expecting multiple wins again on the PGA Tour because every week we had six, seven, eight horses in the race, maybe not the year we were anticipating. We're going to talk about that next week. And, of course, also uh, Brooke Henderson. You can't talk Canadian golf without talking we're hearing from Brooke. That's just a given. Uh, lots coming up on Golf Talk Canada. We've got a year in review TV special to keep your eye open for. That's coming up around Christmas, New Year's time. It'll line up with all the lists and best of and year in reviews that line up the TSN TV network. And uh, Golf Talk Canada, season 10, February 1st. Season 10 kicks off at Golf Talk Canada Radio with a, a major announcement of how you can consume GTC in 2020 so we've got uh, lots to get to lots coming up and don't forget we don't go away still lots to come throughout the winter from golf talk canada radio here right here on the tsn radio network guys as we wrap up today's show taking a look back on the year that was we like to rank the majors (laughs) every year i'm gonna go with this for me the masters was hands down from a viewing standpoint Obviously, you guys had a different experience than I had this year because I was only physically at one major. I was only at Augusta. I didn't attend another major. You you guys attended. Well, you attended the Open Championship. And, Bob, you attended all of them. So your take on this might be very different from from being there on the ground. But from a a viewer perspective, from a broadcast perspective, from a fan perspective around the world, for me, it's quite easy. The Masters was number one. The Open Championship was number two. So when I'm talking about what what my least favorite major was this year, it's down to, to either the U.S. Open or PGA Championship. And for me, the Masters was the best, and the PGA was my least favorite. Uh, if you had to go and rank the majors this year, how do you rank them? Yeah, I'd be pretty close to that. I think you know the theme for me was good winners, but not necessarily... Good tournaments. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred you know I mean? percent. But I think there's no no doubt that the the the, the Masters with its you know with its morning finish or almost yeah. mor- almost yeah. morning finish on Sunday. I was home Sunday night. That's the first time that's ever happened. Uh, but but I think um, I think the win by Tiger is easily number one. I would sort of go back and forth with uh, Lowry and Woodland at number two. And you could depending on how I'm feeling and what day I wake up, I might rank them two and three or three mm-hmm, and right. two. And the PGA was just bleh. It was yeah. just nothing for me, really. Yeah, I, I would obviously go Tiger at, at one. What a moment that was. Uh, Shane Lowry uh, for me is two. Just everything around Irish golf and, and the experience and having to see all the conditions and players having to go through all that. Uh, the U.S. Open probably would be number four for me. I, I, thought the, I thought the PGA, it was more of a... 
like DJ made it closer than it seemed, I thought, and Kepka sort of uh, making that four bogey in a row streak. Uh, DJ had an underrated major year as well, two runner-up finishes. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. And yes, he's going through uh, some knee rehab right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd go Masters Open, uh, PGA US Open. All right, so we're all kind of very yeah. close. Uh, eliminating Tiger Woods, only two minutes left. Eliminating Tiger Woods from the equation. If you had one memory of the season of majors only, what is it? For me, the lasting image, for me, if I think back and I remove ti- Tiger, it's Rory's first swing Thursday mm. morning at the Open Chat. I'm a, I mean, like the, the shock of, of, of just consuming that w- was just overwhelming at the time. It's it's hard to shake that one off for sure. I mean, I think yeah. that's the uh, that's a standout moment in that tournament. I think I think if you look at me in the major season, it might be that three wood that uh, that Gary Woodland hit into the uh, the par five, um, which really was brilliant. Sealed that shot. Yeah. Uh, that was a real turning point for me. That one kind of stands out for a whole bunch of different reasons. But um, yeah, it's hard hard not to think of Tiger when you're thinking right, of the shots of right. the year. What... Maybe his easy shot to the to the twelfth green. You know, after the other guys have plopped it in the water. Who yeah, else? for me, maybe it's tough to look at one shot. I mean, one or just thing, an image, just a memory. Seeing the video of Shane Lowry celebrating, and singing in the bar, in the bars in Dublin, <laughs> that was pretty special. The the second shot, uh, the tee shot he hit on the seventeenth green, uh, the par three at uh, on the last day. Oh, calamity! Yeah, yeah, was unbelievable. Yeah, nice that, that might be the shot yep. of the week for yep. me with the pro tracer and. Yeah, special. There you go. Well, thank you, boys. Uh, year one review special in the books. Major season behind us. We'll flip the page, and in our next year in review, we're going to talk a lot of Canadiana, the Canadian golf story that was 2019. Also, winners, weird and what of the year predictions for the year, so that you, the listening audience, can know what to bet against. For the next 12 months. (laughs) Guys, thanks so much. Have a great one. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, first good decision on the golf course. It always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Acura was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club. Live, stay, and play at our award-winning championship golf course. Visit MuskokaBayResort.com today. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For blogs, podcasts, show archives, our YouTube channel, or for more information, visit us online at GolfTalkCanada.com.